to Naismith of Simmerate Pyramids here, and you're listening to Skadad's podcast. Everywhere you can find it internet, not net, everywhere. Just listen. Check it out, man. Welcome to another episode of the Ska Dads Podcast. My name is Bobby Bobson, and I have some special guests uh, with me today uh, from a wonderful band in Washington, D.C., uh, Eastern Standard Time. Why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves? Well, um, I'm Peace Unique. I'm the lead singer and percussionist. Yeah, I'm Reed Attaway. I play bass guitar and uh, sing backup vocals. How how would you guys when you tell people about Easter Standard Time how how would you, how do you sum up the band to people? We got a couple of different things, but this, this is all, always on the the ska band's mind is you know how how do you break it down you know because there's there's so much with the to say ska to especially in America doesn't doesn't really tell people exactly what you sound like so it, we say Caribbean beat you know uh, because we we really try to play all of the different grooves that come out of Jamaica side from really Minto is the only one that we don't dabble in. And if I'm speaking to people who are outside of the scene, I say Caribbean jazz and soul. I think that pretty much it's changed over the years. Um, when the band first started, they were pretty much doing bebop tunes over sky rhythms, you know, as personnel changed over the years. People started putting their input in, and, and it got a little, a little more uh, eclectic, I should say. Um, a lot more Latin influence, a lot more soul influence. Um, I used to describe it as back in the day, the guys that were playing music in the hotels were listening to the R and B and soul that was coming from the states, and I was like, well, what if it was today? And we're listening to the R&B and soul of today and pretty much putting that into the same formula and stirring it up. Um, but we, I know we can play at jazz clubs, we can play at reggae shows, we can play at punk shows, we can play at ska shows. Um, as a matter of fact, the first few years I was playing with this band, <laughs> we only got booked at like punk shows. And I was like, okay. What's going on here, James? What did I sign up for? Right? <laughs> what, did, what did I? Uh, yeah. Well, how about how about this too? I, I would love to hear like how each of you guys joined the band because you guys both joined at different times of the group. 
And uh, I don't know, Unique, I don't know if you want to start because I think you were, you were in the band quite a few years before Rejoin, right? Yeah, um, I believe the band started in 95 or 96. Um, I came in right at the end of 99. And how it happened was at the time I was playing with James's brother, uh, Robbie. And a band that I was leading, it was more of like a soul, R&B, like neo soul type thing. Um, and they were going on tour around the panhandle of Florida and needed a keyboard player. And so I was like, he played me some of the tapes. And at the time, he played me uh, uh, the first album with uh, Eric Eli Schwartz playing keyboard. And... I know you've seen Eric play before, perform before. That guy is a masterpiece by himself, you know? And I was like, whoa, whoa, you want me to play this stuff that this guy is? No, there's no way in the world. He's like, no, 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 no. All you need to do is offbeats. That's just, that's all we need you for. I was like, I can do offbeats. And uh, we're on tour. And the first stop, I think it was Jacksonville. You know, I'm doing my offbeats and I'm watching everybody in the crowd and I'm like, I cannot watch this crowd and do offbeats. There's no way in the world I'm going to keep this rhythm if I watch these people. They're like doing circle circle pit and like, you know, yeah. skanking, skanking wet, like not, not totally on the beat and it was messing unique up. It was I, I was not used to that world. I mean, I heard ska all my life, you know, um, uncles and, you know, we play ska and reggae, and so I knew what it was, but I was just not getting it with these, with where we were playing, and and you know with the punks and blah blah. blah. I was like, this is not Jamaican music. I don't know what's going on here, but I mean, I'll just keep doing off beats. <laughs> so halfway through the tour, they were like, uh, yeah, we got this song we want you to sing. I was like, sure, I'll sing. You know, I was singing with R and B group. So I sang the song, and the crowd was like, ah, oh my god, oh my god. So they were like, we should do it tomorrow, too. And I was like, sure, we'll do it tomorrow. And <laughs> two years later, I'm writing like half of the record and singing all the, and like singing all the vocal parts. And before, we had uh, Kelly playing guitar and singing. We had, jeez, um, oh, why do I forget his name? Wilson from the Velveteen. Oh, yeah. yeah, he sang on the record. Uh, yeah, from that point on, it was just like, yeah, you're in the band and you're the singer. So. Yeah, and I, I think, I, I guess, too, um, if, if anyone wasn't familiar with the 99 album, Secondhand, um, that was, you know, the band went from being like an instrumental, like full-on instrumental band to yeah. a band with that you know had you had unique you, you were taking the helm and singing at least mm -hmm. you know you added there were a lot more songs you added to their set when you joined the band and kind of definitely changed the band um, oh, yeah. i think they gave you know i would say too like your versatility was, was you know that's amazing i didn't realize you started with them in 99 i thought it was for some reason i thought it was a little bit later so that that's cool that's an awesome um intro to to the band and i mean you were you were in the forefront of probably like easter standard time changing too like with, with, when you joined the band and starting to write songs and everything what was the name of the band uh, that you were in with robbie um it was called uh it was first called rubicon um then we ran into some copyright issues and it became soul element 
and we did an EP, maybe four or five songs. We had a television appearance. Uh, we were on on the radio locally at um, 95.5. Uh, and then it just fell apart. <laughs> uh, I don't want to remember. I remember seeing you guys. Yeah, I remember seeing you guys in DC at least once or twice. Too, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I don't want to mention any names, but uh, it was, it was, um, it was. Uh, I don't know. It didn't. It didn't turn out well. So. Yeah, but things happen, and, and you move forward, and you know. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know. So definitely. So, well, I'll read. What about you? Like, um, how did how did you end up joining Eastern Standard Time? And I don't know if you want to talk about any bands you were in previously too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I the only the way that they know of me and became they they I was familiar to James and and the rest of the guys from booking shows in in my band that I grew up playing in in high school called Murphy's Kids, and uh, through that band we'd been playing together for geez I don't even remember the first time that we played together. I'd been listening to Eastern Standard Time since high school. I mean, since almost since right after they got started, and then. Um, through the years had booked some shows for Murphy's kids, uh, including we did this yearly, uh, charity show around the holidays called Scal- happy Scholidays. Uh, we did that for, oh, geez, we did it from like 99 to 2017. So we did it for a while and Eastern standard time probably played it more than any other band. Um, and I guess through that, uh, James thought of me as somebody who was reliable and had a little bit of business sense. And, and in 2007, they needed somebody to do merch for a European tour. Cause I guess, for, Oh, uh, they're his, James's partner, Cheryl, um, her sister got pregnant or something, or maybe was having her baby early and was unable to go on the tour. So they needed a merch person and they were like, who has, who's both reliable and has a passport and, uh, has nothing going for him so they can just up and go on this tour for, for no, for no money and just, just for fun. Uh, and, and that was me. And I was like, yeah, this is great. This was, it was awesome. I had a blast. I did merch on a three week tour in 2007 in the fall of 2007 for the band and then um fast forward to 2011 they needed a sax player to go to this montreal festival the international ska festival and do uh, like a week of shows leading up to that and then come home uh and do eastern standard time sets and mr t-bone sets because morgan was going to be on tour with the toasters so he wasn't going to be able to do it they needed a saxophone player and in that phone call, I said, "Hey, if you need a bass player or a guitar player, I'm your guy." And they were like, "No, nah, we're we're all good." I think it was Zach who called me up. Um, and then a couple weeks later, they realized that uh, Brandon, who was playing bass at the time, didn't have a passport that was good. And so they called me up and said, "Hey, do you want to play bass?" And that was winter time, 2011. And I've I've been doing it since then and uh, took on the recording and. You know, talking to the sound guys in all the different places about what's what's going on with what we have going on, you know, handling production and things like that. The sound, the booking, the, this guy does it all. He does it all. He plays bad bass and he plays, and he's a great gets you too. So. <laughs> well, I, I, I wanted to ha- have you guys on this episode because you guys have some new stuff that's out right now you have a new album called clockwork on jump up and i think this is this is like your third release on jump up right 
I believe so. I think that's right. I mean, we've done a handful of we've done a handful of singles and and little one-off things with with Chuck through the years. And I th- I think you're right. I think this is the third full length. I think he did. He, we recorded or the, they recorded Tempest Fugit and then Jump Up put it out. And then the the two records that I I was a part of playing the bass and producing were put out on Jump Up. Yeah. Time for yeah. cha- time for change, and now Clockwork, the one that we're, we we just put out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so so Clockwork too. The, the one thing I was instantly struck by was like the the design. Um, do, do you guys want to maybe talk about some of the ideas behind the design? That's all. That's that's all unique. Uh, you know, I have I have. I think he was saying that I do everything, and I I will not I will not say that I have anything to do with the visual aspects of the band. I mean, from the dress to the the way that the artwork looks and the whole that aesthetic is completely out of my uh, realm of influence. So I look I always look to Unique for guidance on that. And he he did the artwork on the the new record, and it looks it looks great. We're getting tons of positive comments about it. I, I love it. Thanks, man. I'm actually that the reaction that I'm getting from it because I was just like it, it, it was one of those times where I was just so busy and I was like I gotta get this record done I gotta get this record done um, of course I mean clockwork <laughs> where do you start I mean that's where you start you know and then you know it had to be orange of course you know <laughs> it's clockwork um, but but also I, I kind of thought like thinking looking at the the you know secondhand the first album and even um, some of the other albums you guys have always used clocks so in some ways I guess it's like a throwback to some of the older albums per se or yeah I mean I like to look at the older albums to get influence um, I'm a huge I'm a huge collector of vinyl records and I love all the artwork like record companies like Verb would put out and I, I love that you know mid-century you know clean nice crisp colors and shapes and you know and give it that vintage feel but you know kind of like how I was describing the music give it a vintage feel but do it today like use today's influence with a vintage feel so that's basically how I came about the, the whole design for it I was trying to do that in the last record. I didn't really quite execute it the way I wanted it to, but um, I still love that thing too. <laughs> yeah, I like I like I like that design too, and I, I like this one too. But I, I, they're both so different too. I, th- I think that's cool that you know that, yeah. and that, and that's the thing too. Even about those older records, they, they would try different things too. Not not everything was always like a picture or design. Even even Verve, I think. I mean, you know, they had some similar fonts and similar color tones, but they would they would change it up as well a little bit. Yeah. Of, you know. Well, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, James's wife uh, Cheryl basically came up with the noodle and the font that we use for Eastern Standard Time. She basically set the brand right there. She set the standard, and I just worked off of her stuff. Well, um, talk, talking about the new album, um, why don't you guys kind of break down some of the songs or any songs that, that um, to me, on my listen to it, I've, I've listened to it a couple a couple times. You, you have a lot of like, you have some ska, ska, jazzy instrumentals. You have some rock steady songs, love songs. Um, you have some songs with, you know, some high energy, like toasting, singing combined. Um, it kind of is a good, I, I would say if, 
you know, if someone's not familiar with Easter Standard Time, this is like a great like starting point, entry point to to hear you guys. That's a great compliment. I mean, I think that's a really cool uh, attribute for a record to have, um, and and I think that 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 bears out in what I what how I feel about it. I mean, because it's it's really split down the middle between songs that we are road tested and that we know really well that are under our fingers and we could play we could play we could have gone in and played them totally separately and not had any conversations about how the things go and, it, and they would have turned out about as good as they did um but then we had the other half of the songs were completely fresh almost entirely made up in the studio on the spot um so i think that gives us the ability to to really cover all of the different sounds that we we like to make i mean it, there was no other way for us to go about it i mean with our process we listened to those songs that we knew that we had already down that we've been playing for years and we said what what do we need to add to this to complement it what what types of songs would be good alongside these and everybody came to the table with the songs that needed to happen it you know it happened organically we really did push for it we had a process and something that we were working towards but the songs that came out ended up being really complimentary to the stuff that we already had and and that is i don't know kind of new for us that was a different different from the last record that we did for sure yeah that's that's interesting were there, were there any like lineup changes between albums not really. I mean, Alex is taking the trombone player who's played who played on both records. Is playing taking a little bit less active role, um, but he. I mean, some of the songs, the ones that are road tested that I was referring to, were written prior to Alex and I playing with the band. You know, so in that respect, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Unique. What were you going to say? Kind of uh, ESTMO, basically. Um, all the records that I've been a part of have have had a couple of songs that you know, were written by new members, a couple of songs that were around for 10, 15 years, but we never did anything with them. And, you know, we kind of mix it up. And um, and it's surprisingly, some of the older songs, like uh, one of the songs on the record, uh, Do Like You Do, um, has been around for at least at least 15 years. And it was, we never had anything with I think it was recorded in the same sessions as the um, what the, where where they were writing for Tempest Fugit, which was yeah. which came out in 2012. You know, Tempest Fugit came out in 04. 04. I'm sorry. Yeah, 04. Yeah. So it's it's pretty old. That song is pretty old, but it's like brand new and fresh, and you would never know it. And it's and, one of the best tunes on there, if I say so myself. Yeah. And uh, Call Me Crazy, too, was also like an older song, too, right? Exactly. We actually had a video for that years and years ago. <laughs> That's and the one I think. That was yeah. 2011 or 2012. Yeah. yeah, it never made it on a record. And we were like, we got to put it on something, you know? So, yeah, like uh, Reed was saying, a lot of the tunes we've been playing for years, we had them under our fingers and... And then, again, there's a lot of tunes that were 
weren't even finished writing it until we were in the booth, actually. So, yeah. well, that's that's exciting to have that stuff and to have it work out, and then have it work out in the studio because studio can be kind of hard to you know work out new material for some musicians and some groups. Yeah, um, and and like another song, I guess, like this was was um, you mentioned some of the songs have been released before. You have a instrumental um, called the like the dragon that's on here that was previously like reissued. Yeah previously released as a 45 i think on jump up uh is that yeah it yeah. was uh it was it was on a little ep with uh, miles as the b-side miles and miles um and we re-recorded both of them for this record um because we wanted it on an album you know it wasn't on an album we, 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 you know, we wanted it on an album yeah, and that one I I just remember hearing that you you know hearing that on the forty five and also hearing hearing it live like many times too. Yeah. Uh, I I wanted to ask too one one of the songs that you know st- stood out to me uh, on like one of my first listens and even even when I saw you guys a few weeks ago at the CD release show at Songbird the Are, Are You Ready song. Mm-hmm. Do you want to maybe talk about how you guys came to record that write that song? I think was that one of Bill's tunes. I think it was. I think um, it was yes, the it was it was two parts. It was an A and B that Bill had been playing to us forever. For I mean, for again five six years maybe. Um, and when we sat down and finally everybody had those two parts under their fingers for two or three rehearsals, and then we said, Zach, write write another part to this. This is what we do. We we write each other into these corners and then we have these really cool, brilliant moments of writing out of the corners, you know, where we're like, I, Zach is I, our go to for that. He's like, he's yeah. like, our chords. <laughs> Why yes, do we this? And then the whole room is like, <gasps> that's it. <laughs> cool. That ties those two parts together. That's great. You know, and, uh, and unique too. This is one of the tunes. That was one of the tunes. Are you ready? It's one of the tunes that, I mean, as the the engineer on the song, I had written and we'd, we'd recorded everything. We'd recorded the horns and the, the keyboards and, and the whole rhythm section. And I was getting ready to start sending it to the mixing engineer to start working on it. And when we got the first drafts of the vocals and the lyrics, and it was like, oh, man, I can't. Where did this all come from? Unique totally blew blew us away like you were talking about earlier with the mixing the chatting and the singing and the taking it between the two different parts and the or the three or four different grooves that we do in the song i thought it felt kind of disjointed and weird you know and then once the vocals were on it i was like nope this is great this is all pulled together this is all pulled together this is a song this is one cohesive thing you can pull a line all the way through it doesn't feel like we're chopping it up a whole bunch
Yeah, and that, sure. that kind of style too, uh, Unique. You kind of did some of that on the previous album, uh, "Time for Change," too, like on the Sugar Shack. Sa- uh, uh, I can't speak. The Sugar Shack song, like from on on the on the previous album, right? Would you say that kind of style? Yeah, yeah. That was my that record was the first time I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some chatting. You know, I would always say, let's leave this space and get a guest guy in. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Let me just try it myself. You know, I mean, I used to be into hip hop back in the days. I can, you know, throw a few verses together, <laughs> and it always seems to work out. You know, so I love it every time. I love it every time. And uh, the the other note I had here too was um, there's another instrumental. I, I I don't know if this one was written in the studio, but the hobo wine song. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, well, I, I guess it wasn't written in the studio. That was an instrumental that is a Morgan, uh, you know, pretty textbook. This is Morgan style. He came to practice with it on sheet music and was like, "This is how it goes, guys." And and uh, we added, you know, doing the key change in the middle of it and saying that the majority of the tune would be a guitar feature um, once we were all together as a group. But for the most part, Morgan brought that one to the table finished. And I mean, it sounds it sounds to me like a, a Morgan tune, a horn tune. Yeah, it's definitely it's, a horn tune. He, he does, he does the, the real fast ones really well. <laughs> he brought to the table, you know. Yeah, he writes the new school bebop, you know, the the bebop ska jazz kind of stuff that we do. And if it sounds like uh, spy jazz, it's probably a James original. You know the uh, the rock steady tunes, the, you know the lovers rock type tunes. But uh, on this album, um, James surprised me and came out with one of these. Um, and that's uh, tell me why. Tell me why. Well, it's not tell you good why. Life. It's good life. Good yeah. life. Yeah, I, li- I like that. That was on my list too to talk about. So. That was definitely one of the more difficult songs to write to. Um, but I think I nailed it. I mean, I think every- if everything came together, you know. We were we were really worried about that one, but it, it, it came together. You know? Tell me why, why do we both feel so low? Tell me why. 
So, Reed, do you have any challenges in the studio with the band? Like, as because I, I don't know, is it hard for you being a member of the band and also doing some of the recording as the producing? Or oh no, I, you know, I, there's there's people that I've developed relationships with here in Richmond that I love working with when we record, and this is you know the first time that we've really been able to bring all of them to bear on a project. And um, it was my friend Rusty who who owns a recording studio called The Ward here in town. Um, where he really he really emphasizes engineering he is not a producer he doesn't want to he doesn't want to make any creative decisions but he wants to hear from somebody like me you know i want i want it to sound like x or y and we also work with a mixing engineer named brian walthall who's somebody else who i've developed a relationship with who loves the style of music and knows you know old school jamaican music and is does production every single day all that's all he does is record and and mix um so really that that has been awesome being able to kind of bring the parts of the process in-house that we excel at you know and then being able to say and also working with steve Suckman over at uh, asparagus and silver spring so that's where things get done that the things that don't get done here at my place or at the ward the ward is really where we do the full setup that's where we can set up bass drums guitar everybody can have isolated space uh but we're all standing in the room together all the you know all the speakers are in their own spaces and then we're standing in the room with james so we can see each other and we can perform together so to speak uh and that is the way that we've found gets the best takes you know we we don't have to go back and overdub a whole bunch of stuff later on i mean then again you asked about the challenges of recording. The biggest challenge we have is um, that Bill is a mad scientist, our, our keyboard player, and he likes to record a lot of different things. And he does, he's wildly creative, and our our albums are way better for it. Um, but it ends up being a lot to kind of sift through and uh, and try to relate to the mix engineer, like how the things should be layered. Because there's a lot of calling and responsing between different instruments, you know. So if the balance isn't right for that, it sounds really goofy. You know, it sounds like something is missing. Um, tasty licks. Which one do we use? Do we use them both? Can we use them both? Can we use, you know, the other eight that he put on top of those as well? <laughs> you know, it becomes an issue of emphasizing. You know, are we going to emphasize this background vocal thing that Unique came up with, or especially on tunes that are not road tested? The ones that are not that are not. We haven't spent a bunch of time solidifying in our minds what they sound like. You know, uh, that's that's where it's like. You know, there was I, there was one battle on. Um, Una y Otra, there was one keyboard melody that was that some people thought was conflicting with one of the vocal melodies, and it was like the only time in the whole recording process where we were just at this impasse where like there were two camps and people some people were saying, Hey man, this 
this keyboard melody's got to go because it's taking up the space that the vocal melody should be occupying. And then there was some other, and it was like, how do we, what, we have, with, <laughs> with, with an even number of people weighing in, it's like, how do we come to, how do we come to some solution on this? You just uh, have to draw straws, right, at a certain point? Like, no, I gave, I said, I said, Brian, mixing engineer, what do you think? And he was like, <laughs> he was like, I think you should do this. I'm not going to say who went, who ended up winning out or anything like that. But, uh, well, well, I mean, like, so do you guys have a lot of, like, alt mixes of some of the tracks on the album? Like, you guys, the one thing Easter Standard Time has never done is, like, a dub album or, like, you know, throwing some older tracks together. That would be something that would be kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I, I have done dubs for fun of the stuff and sent it around to the guys. Um, what I have found is that we rarely have enough material on a single album that would lend itself to doing that, you know, at least in my estimation, because the fast sky stuff is, you can have a, a couple of nice delay trails in here, you know, some wet it up a little bit, but if it's real fast, that stuff that really loses its magic, the dub, the dubbing does anyway. Yeah, that's um, a good point. But, you know, there are, again, there are tunes like Hayati that's on Time for Change. Uh, I did a double that that I was real happy with that I thought was really fun. Um, that we said, hey, we'll leave that in the hopper and, you know, on a, some rainy day, we'll put that out. Um, so, yeah, so you're not the only person who's had that thought for sure. And, and we also have aspirations of kind of incorporating a little bit more of that into the live setup. Um, you know, I, I think just a couple of just a couple of rehearsals, and we could have two or three dubs that were really good live dubs of you know either tunes that we have or some some classic rhythm, or maybe not even a Jamaican tune. Do a dub of a, a cover of something that's really recognizable, and you know that makes it it makes it fun. It makes it so that anybody can hear and go, oh okay, oh whoa, this is not what I expect from this band or the style of music. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I really enjoyed, I was, t I was telling unique, I really enjoyed the, you know, before we started today, the, the CD release a few weeks ago, it was great to hear, you know, some of, some of the new songs like live. And I think that's, you know, I, I heard some of the new songs live and then, you know, um, probably like the next week I, I listened to some of the tunes on the album and sometimes it's, it's cooler to hear like the songs live and then, and then go back and say, Oh yeah, I remember hearing this live. Um, why I was just wondering, like, um, what, do, what do you guys have planned for like live gigs to, are you guys doing anything to promote the album in the next, you know, throughout the summer? Yeah, we have uh, we have a couple of shows domestically lined up. We were talking about doing. Uh, we had actually planned for two, a couple of weeks in Europe in the spring to promote the album, but then with time, we didn't know if we would have it in time, so we ended up bagging that tour, um, and that's how we ended up doing Freedom Sounds all by itself. Um, you know, just going to Germany for a Saturday and playing a show, um, and then. Have, have you guys have you guys done the freedom sounds before? Was that yes, yes. We we were over in Europe. The last time we were in Europe was spring of 2019, um, promoting Time for Change when we put that out, and we played at Freedom Sounds, and they said we can't have you next year, and we probably can't have you the following year, but we'd like to ask you back for the next one. Uh, and then the the pandemic happened, and quarantine happened, and they skipped a year, and and it kind of fell off of our radar, but. To them, it didn't. So when we said, hey, we're coming in the spring for two weeks, they were like, sold, let's go. So when we tried to when we tried to cancel on them, they, Peter and Peter said, hey, uh, it'd be real cool if you guys just came and did it anyway. 
Yeah. And so James was like, you know, we hadn't really considered that. So, yeah, let's try it. And then he asked us if we wanted to do it. And because we had done it in 2019 and knew that they were hip to the culture, uh, they have a really cool thing going on there in Cologne with their ska and reggae community. I mean, it, it's really... It, it's really neat. I, it reminds me of uh, Supernova, but I mean, it, it's a lot of folks I think who were who were maybe college age or younger during the '70s who hit the the second wave, you know, when they were out and about and really partying and and getting into things. Um, and they've managed to maintain that community, and it's because that festival is they're about the music, and they they have cool local artists and they have cool international artists. And it feel they take care of the bands really well. I mean, we we love it there, and they we know people. It, it's really, I mean, it, it's it's crazy that I go to this festival and I see people that I saw at the last one, and they say, "Hey, Reed, how are you?" You know, like that. That's wild. They they've been doing it for about ten years, and they actually just put out a record with a compilation of all the bands that have played in it, and it's it's a pretty nice record yeah it's like four it's like four cds right like it's like four cds wow that's amazing and uh, how how many people are there like for the festival i i there i know there are two videos uh, of you guys performing this year i think on youtube i'd say over the course of the weekend probably somewhere around two thousand. and maybe a little more yeah yeah Yeah, that that would be my guess it's tough it's tough to say because it's a club that has an indoor space and an outdoor space Mm -hmm. and the outdoor space is I guess technically smaller than the indoor space. You know, the, the, you could fit all of the people there in the indoor space. I don't know what the capacity is on the club, but it was a nice, really cool club. Um, the yeah, the staff is really nice and accommodating, and you know, all the bands were having a really nice time in the backstage, and it was it's just a good scene. You know, it's good good people who do it. It's it's like Tim and April with Supernova. These people who are who just love it. And they're trying to they're trying to give the scene a space to do what it, it needs to do, and uh, and they love the music, and that you know they genuinely come up and say hi to all the EST guys when we're there at the at the festival. Both I mean, Freedom Sounds and Supernova folks. I mean, they know you on a personal level because they're engaged with it personally. I mean, that's that's those are the type of people we like to work with. And yeah, and speaking speaking of Supernova, you guys are playing there in September, right? We are. We are playing. Uh, we're playing all all night on Friday. We're playing <laughs> forever on Friday. It's going to be really, really. Who really who, who are you guys? Who are you? I, I I know one of the things when you guys play Supernova, you you know you'll play the Eastern Standard Time set, but sometimes you guys will back some you know back a, an artist or two. So you guys are backing some people uh, this this time around too. Yeah, yeah. We get to back our good friend and and uh, oftentimes enemy uh, Richie uh, <laughs> of Doctor Ringding fame. Uh, really, I, I, all jokes aside, I'm, I'm really excited to get to play a full set with him. We, we, we did one, uh, we were supposed to do one a few years ago. It got rained out. And then again, he had, uh, these garbage troubles with visas getting across the Atlantic and being able to come and perform, uh, last time. So we're really, that's that we've missed two. I think this, this one is the one, um, I think he's going to absolutely slay the crowd at supernova they are not gonna they're not ready uh we got to play a little bit what was that 2018 i think um when it was still in fredericksburg we got to play a little bit of our set with him before it got rained out uh we actually and, i first met richie we with him in 2004 2005 
called Sky Mob with uh, King Django. And we pretty much went from one side of the nation all the way across and then up to Canada and all the way across that way. And that was that was that was a fun tour. And I really got to know Richie and you know, we're real close friends now. And you know, um it's like we were saying, it's like a family reunion whenever we go there and, and be able to perform with them is just makes it all that much better, you know. You guys have have had the opportunities to kind of back some other like artists that include like you know some of the Jamaican artists as well, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Derek Morgan and uh, we've we've been trusted, you know, and we really really appreciate the trust given to us by people like Chuck, who pairs us with people like Monty Naismith, and we've we've also ba- been the backing band for uh, Roy from Simmerip. Um, Several times. <laughs> several times. Yeah, we've backed Derek Morgan several times. Um, we're we're going to be backing Stranger Cole at Supernova this year, and we're going to be backing uh, Sister Nancy. So it's Ring Ding, oh, wow, Sister wow. Nancy, and Stranger Cole. Yeah, we got. We, that's we're, quite a lot. That's quite a a range of styles too in that in that group of artists. I I, lo- I love that about it. I love that it's and none of it is going to sound the same. I mean, the closest that there will be is some of the ring ding dance hall stuff will be similar and in, in style to the sister Nancy stuff that we're doing and how it's performed. But uh, I, I like that we're all confident and pe- not only are the guys in the band confident enough to do this stuff, the people who book shows like Tim and April are like just EST will do it and they'll kill it. Like they'll take it seriously and they'll sit down and actually learn the material. I mean, talking to sister nancy on the phone she was like you want to know what you're going to be playing in september and i was like yeah i want to we want to we want to learn this stuff and we want to learn the versions that you want us to learn we don't want to learn just our willy-nilly whatever you know remix of this rhythm that has your sampled vocals on top of it like i want to know the version that you want me to play and i think i got on her nerves a little bit because i was you know (laughs) trying to be historian man but 
but like that's how Eastern Standard Time does it. Like when we we practice with Monty the day before the show, and you know we want to know how do you want us to play it. Yeah, we can get up there and do the we can do the songs and the grooves like they are in the record. Um, but because a lot of these songs are so old, and just because of how you know music rights were for Jamaican musicians and songwriters back in the day, there's so many versions of these tunes because these people tried so many times to make a living at this. Um, as a result, like a band like us is trying to figure out exactly how the artist wants to do it because I want it, I want it to sound how they want it to sound. So because well, we probably can't rehearse, you know, we definitely can't do all rehearse that three hours of music with all you know between all all three of those artists. There's no way we'd be able to get three those three rehearsals in and play all of that material before the show. So. A team color one two ain't no skipping boogaloo. Nancy off them on the cue. Steady, just calling on. Tommy said one, Tommy and Nancy make a little plan. I said two. I think no one kick off your shoe. I said three. I think you're not seeing what we have. I said four. That's going to be awesome. So you guys are pretty much Friday nights, Easter, Easter Standard Time night. You know, that's that's awesome. For the, <laughs> yeah, we're going to play selections from the new team. record, and we're going to play this, those three sets, and then, then y'all are going to be tired of us, and we're going to hang out <laughs> for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I, and that's a cool thing about Supernova, right? Like, you guys go, and you guys play your sets, um, or play your set, whatever, whatever calls for that year, and... Um, you know, you get to hang out and see some cool bands and connect with friends and see people that you haven't seen probably since the last festival. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's really a wild family, like, you know, like unique was saying family reunion, especially supernova, uh, me playing at Murphy's kids and us spending so much time on the Eastern seaboard in the early two thousands. Um, and then Eastern standard time has a similar history, uh, in the similar places. So, seeing all these people especially with tim and april pulling these international bands i mean it's really it's really neat to be able to be at supernova and be hanging out with holly cook and her band and backstage and saying hey this festival you're doing in september is so fun it is going to be a great time we're really excited to host you guys you know at in our neck of the woods with our people and our crew like you're going to be really well taken care of when you come to this festival yeah that's awesome um I, I'm sure learning the baseline for Sister Nancy Bam Bam. That's such a classic rhythm. That's something that's like you know the way that's good. You know, 
Yeah, I mean the hardest the hardest part for that is one I I'm the I'm the guy in the band who has to really like really really learn how this thing goes. Like if I don't know how the thing goes, it's over. Um, and you know you can kind of muddle through it if you know the tempo and the key and the chords with your playing guitar or keyboards or something. But when it, when that bass line hits, is how you know it's the song. And them being iconic and being used in so much music, you know, so much popular music has that bomb bomb horn line. The bomb bomb bass line has, I mean, half of the Sister Nancy Still said today. Is, yeah. yeah, I mean, half of the Sister Nancy says those. There's all these iconic rhythms, and they have names that are sometimes match the name of this Sister Nancy song, and sometimes they don't. And uh, yeah, that that's probably the hardest part of it is that all of the tunes that we're playing with her. And you know, the, the joke is, you know, Sister Nancy's got one song. And listening to these tracks to learn them for the show, I I knew every single one of these rhythms. I, I was familiar with all of, all of these tunes just from they're sampled all over everything. Yeah, and I, when, when I've seen her live too, like as someone who DJs, like I, I have more than... Bam Bam is a song I play when I DJ sometimes, but there's other tracks by her. You know, she she came out of the the dance hall scene as as like a woman, at, which at that time, you know, there aren't other there aren't quite as many like female DJs like Sister Nancy. Like I I would say she you know she holds her own, and it was at a time where there weren't and some and some just just yeah. there's nobody else out there like that. She's spitting toughness. She's talking about toughness and being solid like a rock, and backing it up in her community. And on top of that, she's not getting paid for any of this stuff. And I mean she has she's a positive role model. And that she's also singing uh, "Only Woman DJ with a Degree," like she's flaunting that she's got a degree in the fucking seventies. That's that's awesome. That is that is tight. "Only Woman DJ with a Degree" is like the that's a whole. She got a whole track. It's about that, and it's like that's sweet. She's got a bunch of tunes too, going down the the rabbit hole of Sister Nancy live performances to see how other bands are doing it with her live. There's one from the Kennedy Center where there's these little girls in the crowd who are who are loving on her, and she's loving on them during the whole thing, and it is it's awesome. You're like, no, she says she's here. Sister Nancy is for the people, and like she needs that. She is for real. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I'm sure I'm sure you guys are gonna kill it, and that's gonna be a highlight of Supernova having you guys play all those sets with with all those artists and it really spans the generations too like thinking about ring ding and stranger cole and you guys all performing your songs as well so that's that's gonna be awesome i mean awesome killing it's, the billing is the billing is i i mean i i'm it's a little bit it feels self-aggrandizing to say the billing is really good but whether it's est or anybody having uh dr ring ding and Uziman and uh, and Stranger Cole and Sister Nancy and Don Letts lead up to Fishbone. Yeah, is crazy. I mean that that's that is such yeah. an epic yeah, lineup. I mean, yeah, yeah. There you go. You're repping your Fishbone. I mean, just Fishbone is uh, one of my most favorite live acts as far as looking at a band and seeing how you should perform and how you should engage with the audience. There's I can't think of any bands in any genre of music that are better than Angelo Moore and the whole crew of Fishbone is just so 
the live show is so intense. Even if you are not down with the, the crazy hybrid of fusion, metal, funk, ska, punk, the watching them do their thing is like a masterclass in entertainment. Well, well, Reed, you're going to have to tune in to our next episode of the Scott Dads because we break down Fishbone. We go through their new album with, with a buddy of mine from Baltimore. So I promote well, myself, up. I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just mention that to you. But yeah, I, I saw them a few weeks ago. Um, they headlined um, This Is Not Cronenfest in, in Philadelphia. And it was, it was amazing. They headlined the night and they were the perfect like end cap for everything because they just you know they, they encompass it, it all like in i don't want to play after Riggins. i don't want to yeah. play after them i don't ever want to play after that band but you care. guys you got easter standard time you guys have so much energy when you play too I mean, you get the can, whole room dancing you know yeah you guys we, gotta we give can, yourself some credit right you need right bring it we can bring it but like angelo moore i'm again like the dude is legendary for for good reason he's fucking he's been doing it forever and he's been just like absolutely doing it at 150% every single time. I've, I've only seen him like four times, but every time I've seen him, it's like, Jesus Christ, dude, fucking chill out. You know, and I love a hype show. I mean, I'm about that life. And I, I saw him at Alley Cats in like 2004, which is a club in, that used to be here in Richmond. Uh, it's a really awesome club, but it was like a Tuesday night and the local Roots reggae band played and the bands were good, but there was nobody there. It was no, I mean, like, 15 people. It was like a 500-capacity club. And they fucking destroyed the place. I mean, they just, like, played so hard. Angelo Moore was playing so hard. He's dripping sweat all over the three or four people who were able to stand in the front row. You know? And it was like, Matt, respect. Respect, dude. That's what we're here for. And they're Why still they making music. To, and they're still making, you know, and they're still making music today, which is like important because I think that, you know, you get caught up in the past sometimes. And yes, their their albums they had. I mean, it, to me, it was amazing that they released an album this year. Like, and it, you know, it's another self titled EP. Like they're, you know, the the album in the eighties. It's crazy to to have that longevity. And and hopefully, Easter Standard Time has that kind of longevity. Is there is there anything you guys are you know, any goals that you guys want to achieve in the band um, that you guys haven't done yet? You, you guys yeah, have done yeah, so much touring. We got our we got our our hearts set on Japan and South America in a big way. I mean, we we really really what really want to get down there. Um, Mexico City too is calling us. Yeah, go ahead. You mean? Southeast Asia as well. You know, South America, Mexico. We got fans in places where we don't have contacts. You know. And it's like we'd kill it if we did have contacts. So, yeah, well, maybe maybe someone will be listening to this episode and contact you guys. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean we we've got a couple yeah. of contacts in each of those places who have said that they you know they'd host us and show us a good time and and you know if we can talk to a couple people on top of on top of that who have some shows that'll that'll pay for plane tickets. That's you know that sounds like, that sounds like a lot. In our experience, it turns out it's, it's really not. You can find one or two festivals that'll help you out with uh, again the kind of guarantees that'll get you, get most of your paint, plane tickets purchased. From there, it's just playing a logistics game, especially with what the internet is. Like the last tour, you know we have booking agents that work for us in Europe, and then they come up short on a few connecting dates. So like you know we say give us five dates in Italy, and they get us the middle three dates. Um, I've been able to come to come up with shows, you know, in weird places. We went to this town called Brno in the Czech Republic the last time we were in Europe uh, through a friend of mine from college, and 
it turned out to be awesome. You know, they, they fed us, they took really good care of us. The show turned out to be in this place that we've never been before, this place that had never, probably never had a Sky show before. Uh, they were taking a big chance on us and we were taking a big chance on them. And at the end of the night, everyone was happy. Everyone got paid, everyone got fed. And we were shown around a really beautiful town, um, you know, by somebody who lived there and was my friend was a teacher there. So he was able to show us all, you know, all the places that we could go after the show and, and get the good food, see the cool art, see the neat, see the neat bar. Um, <clears throat> it, you know, that makes it feel like all these places in the world where we have just a couple of contacts who have said they'd like to help us out with a show makes that feel accessible. So if you're listening, guy in Southeast Asia or a guy or, gir- or girl or, or girl. girl. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, I mean, that. I mean, a person, person, uh, yeah. person who books shows, um, uh, who likes the Scott shows and their hearts in it for real, hit us up. We're accessible and we're, we're interested in traveling. We love going to these places and seeing how people live and talking to them about their lives. It's not just the, you know, getting on stage and playing music and then going back to the hotel and passing out. Like we are out and about in the community and trying to make friends. Yeah our, yeah, our world has definitely shrunk. I know mine personally has shrunk since I started traveling with these guys. I mean, there's places all over the world we can go to and be like, hey, we'll be there next week. And they're like, oh, we got a place for you. What, we got food. What, you need anything else? You know, we'll have everything for you. And it's, it's, and I've had friends like that for now 20 years now, where, you know, Call up do you guy. have do you do you have a favorite place unique that you guys played that, that you guys you know is there a favorite town or city or anything that stands out for you on any of the tours? I don't know. There's just Lago <laughs> Verde really stands out in my mind. What'd you say? I said Lago Verde really stands out in my mind. There's a yeah. There's, I, I, there's... I, I agree with that. That's probably one of my favorite places on the uh, the west coast of uh, Italy on the beach, basically. Um, like this back bar stand where they have like little appetizers and cocktails and stuff but they have like a weekly concert series and during their on season and uh you know we we pull up to the place after eight hours of driving pretty much every we played it i don't know three times now maybe and every time we pull up it's like mojitos and welcome back it's so great to see you guys uh, and we're, you know, we're, of course, we're like an hour or two after they've told us that we need to show up and they're like, oh, no, 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 you guys, you guys are fine. Just oh, yeah. have, a, have a cocktail, take your shoes off, relax. Uh, and then the show's really cool. There's little kids running around. You're playing basically on the beach. I mean, we're like 100 yards from the actual ocean or from the actual Mediterranean Sea. Um, and that and the people there are really hospitable and fun. They have again a community of people who like Jamaican music, and you know a bunch of dreadies show up in the middle of your set and they check you out, and it's like oh, it's cool. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's a cool. I like one of the coolest things uh, about you know Eastern Standard Time. I think you guys have so much opportunities to tour Europe that the, and other places around the world that you know like. You know, being in D.C. is great and wonderful, and there's a great scene here in D.C., but pl- getting to spread that music all over the world is, is something that a lot, of, a lot of musicians don't have that luck, you know? Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of history being made, to you know, not to, to make it sound grandiose, but, like, we've showed up in, like, festivals in the Czech Republic, and people come up to us and say, hey, look, 
I met my wife at your show 10 years ago in blah, blah, blah. And like, they bring their kid along. Like, yeah, see what you created? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, okay, thank you. you know? <laughs> it, it's so weird to experience that, you know? Um, and I'm sure I'm sure COVID. I'm sorry, that's because I, I I don't like to talk too much about the pandemic or too much about COVID, but how much that changed everyone? It, did 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 it make you guys miss the road? Did it make you miss those opportunities and appreciate it a little bit differently? Oh my god, I was banging my head on the walls around here, man. Um, we did do that little uh, COVID in-house video that everybody was doing online, splicing everything together. That turned out pretty cool. It was fun to do. Um, I actually shot that whole, um, uh, what is it, Don't Lose Your Time? <laughs> Look at the name of the song, this is great. Was it uh, Lovely Ad? The one, no, 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 the one that, that I spliced together and put together for the uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, out, of time. out of Time is the name of the tunes. So. Yeah, Out of Time. Um, that was a weird time, you know? Everybody was doing DJ sets online on Facebook, and I was just like, this is just not hitting the way it's supposed to, man. I mean, I appreciate effort, but, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what makes me tick, what makes me tick is, uh, is not possible during that time, you know? Like, what really gets me that sweaty, singing along, moving along to something that's it's loud enough that it's probably doing damage to you. You know, it's like that's there's something there's I and I and I you know I have the studio in here and I got loud I got drums and bass and guitars and stuff I can crank it up and be as loud as I need to. But there's just something about doing that in a room with a couple hundred people who are all focused on the same thing and moving to the same thing. You know that. Yeah, but I think too it makes you reappreciate it too. It makes you like when you get back to it, like enjoy it for for more. Because oh, I, I can say I can say too, like I, I've been someone I've I've been going to see live music since you know for multiple decades now, and um, you know taking that time out and then going to you know getting so excited to see live music again is just amazing, and being able to share music with others like through what you know DJing whatever you know it's just seeing how people delight in that i th that's that's a positive i try to take out of it is you know having that break and then being like wow i appreciate this tenfold you know yeah, yeah I, I you know it well, it depends on what you were doing in your life at the time you know because for a lot of people it was just like they just kind of they were able to switch focus i i'm i'm really fortunate in that my family life and my you know my we, i moved and i had a a baby so I had all this stuff that was on the inside of my house that really just completely took my attention away. Um, so for me, when it was time to play again, there was this fire there that I had forgotten about. You know, it was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, we can go out and, and play music. And you know, we had that supernova there, right, right there in that little window between variants uh, that was just so fulfilling. That just felt it was so like coming up for air. That first supernova, it was like coming up for air. Like we've been stuck in a trunk under the under the sea for a while, and it was just like, <gasps> oh, okay, go back. Yeah. You know, it was it was it was hard for me, um, especially. Um, and I kept telling myself, well, I'll just use this time to, to make some more music, to make, write some more songs, to do some more art. And 
like it was just depressing. I didn't do any of that, you know. I just sat there and watched everybody else do it, and I was like, I don't understand. I, don't, I didn't have the drive to do it, you know. And then when we finally got to play live, I was like, okay, that's what I was missing, you know. <laughs> and it's like it was it was hard for me um, not being able to play out during that time, you know. But I think too, I, I think we're all moving forward from it and just taking it and appreciating and seeing it differently. Um, well, we, we were t- we did talk a lot about you know, EST out abroad and outside of of DC, but you know, I, I know Reed, you're in Richmond, but but the band itself is primarily located in DC, and you guys have a wonderful, rich uh, musical scene, uh, you know, in the nation's capital, right? Like, there's a lot going on in DC if you're a fan of ska, reggae, and even other musical genres as well yeah we have i mean we have what like five or six bands that that call dc home that are active recording bands that are putting out recordings all the time they're putting out quality music bands that take it seriously and they're not and it's not just a um you know not really like a weekend warrior type of just in the garage type of thing it's bands who are true to the style and true to the the, you know the different eras that they're they're shooting for and we're really fortunate in in that with dc i mean the cost of the cost of rent makes the venue situation a little tough but hey songbird moved into that space and that's the first time i've ever been there when we did our release show the other day that's awesome that place is great they really stepped it up i do miss the record store being right next door but (laughs) Uh, you know, you have room, you have room to actually go to the bathroom and walk around like it's you're not in like a, a cave, <laughs> you know. Like, but yeah, yeah, that's it. Seemed like it was like some kind of club before because they the, what they had upstairs too it looked like they had like a DJ or something dance floor or something at some point. Um, but yeah, that was a cool spot, and and then you know like a, a lot of. Like the uh, some of your other members in Eastern Standard Time, you know, really help and support like other ska bands and fill in for them at certain times. Like um, I know James sometimes helps out and and shares drum duties in in the fuss or fills in when needed. And Zach Zach also plays uh, with the fuss as, as one of their guitar players too at times. Yeah, uh, I can't believe I haven't been asked to play guitar or bass in that band at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you might be they might be calling you next but uh that sounds, you know. sounds good andy i'm here yeah yeah john john's been there from the beginning though yeah 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 oh i don't i don't i wouldn't take a gig from john i love john uh, you know he actually <laughs> plays in a band called the transmitters that um that my old band murphy's kids did festivals with back in the day so i've been familiar with him as a guy like oh he he appreciates the style this guy actually gives a crap about it sounding like it's old school and playing the bass not only not only having the, the right gear but playing it the right way i mean he's playing the bass like you do for that style of music and uh i really appreciate john's playing and singing i've always liked him and, and the bands that he plays with i think he hasn't been with the fuss forever uh, but when he started playing with them, I was like, yes, that is, that is a, I mean, m- much respect to their old bass players, but, but John is, John is such a wonderful player and singer and he, he really songwriter. I think he writes a lot of the songs too with Andy too. So yeah, yeah. He, he brings, he really brings a lot to that band. Yeah. And, 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 um, you know, like D- DC has, you know, blue beat and they have active gigs all around, um, you know, consistently, which, which is, you know, it's, it's like, um, 
you know, talking to some other bands that are like a little more centrally located or different different locations, it, you know, there isn't always something to do on a Friday, Saturday. You, oh, you, you know, meant, every, you mean every centrally month. located, like in the middle of the country? Yeah, well, I was I was talking to like the prize fighters this week and, and a guy from uh, Detroit a few weeks ago, and and you know, like they're always like, man, you being in D.C. and being in you know, Baltimore gets kind of lumped into that, but being being where we're at on the East Coast, you, we just you know you, we get touring acts frequently, and you get you know local bands that are active and play around, and and not every every you know every every Jamaican band has opportunities like that has has other because I think it makes you it, like Unique was talking about community and stuff, and that's like you know you need that community as as a musician and artist to kind of thrive, and it's good. You know. oh, it's super it, it really helps i mean you know just that, that that show is a perfect example us the scotch bonnets and the bus like we don't have to worry about somebody doesn't want to share gear and is being a dick about it or you know somebody doesn't want to be accommodating we know everybody who's going to be in the place and on the stage that night except for the guy that we brought to play trombone that's it he was the only person all night that wasn't like oh i know you like i would see you on the street and be like hey what's up you would say my name like you would know we would know each other's names every other person in all those bands and that's that's definitely special i i have a really nice uh there's a really great music scene here in richmond there have been, you know, you know, waves of great punk, great hardcore, great jazz, great soul, and uh, never, never has it been like that. You know, where where all there's four or five bands, and everyone in all the bands knows everyone in all the other ones. That's crazy. Yeah, I'd have to say for all of those areas that are struggling to keep the scene together, you just you just have to do it. I mean, EST over the years has played church basements. You know, cafeterias, <laughs> um, you know, just shells of a building, you know, it <laughs> doesn't really matter. It's just about, you know, like you said, the community, as long as that community is, is, is willing and, and able to make that happen, put the effort in, you know, and, and, and you, you, you'll love yourself for it. Awesome. Or, you should, or, or some kid will see you doing it and they'll do it. They'll, they'll think. Oh, this is possible. I could do X, you know. I yeah. went and the first show I ever went and saw was Smashing Pumpkins, and it was like, I don't see myself there. And then I went to the punk club a few months later and saw this band, this pop punk band called Fun Size, and it was like, oh, I could totally see the steps from where I'm standing right now watching this to that, to, to doing that. And if you're holding together a ska scene, and even if there's nobody coming to the shows, the, there's somebody out there noticing that you're that you're putting in that time and you're putting in that work and you know. yeah and that's how you build community and that's how you build like a scene and stuff and I think that you know that stuff's important and, and that stuff you know like people people want that and and you know it's not only for like friendships but it's it's just a great thing to have and have access to and just you know like that working together and collaborating and you know not having you don't get that in like rock bands like if there's like a rock bands or um, I don't know, not, not trying to uh, stereotype anyone, but just like, you know, the way, the way ska reggae and the way punk rock, the DIY ethics, you know, works out. It's just like everyone wants to come together for the, you know, that purpose and common good and shared values, whatever. Yeah, there's, you know, a, there's a little bit more of a kind of a, an expectation of what your ethics are if you're talking about ska and reggae. I mean, particularly because... Uh, with the, the genres genres of music that you stated, there's not like this 
expectation of making a living or becoming some kind of a star, you know, like like yeah. there might like there might be with rock. I mean, there's also, like I said, there's that that means so much less. It's, there's less so less specific, you know, rock than it, than you would say Jamaican, even Jamaican music. And it's great that you guys have opportunities to to touch those artists, to, you know, to collaborate those artists and bring that music to new people. And I, I, like that's that's the cool thing about Easter Standard Time for me is like, you know, you guys have your step and foothold in, you know, the past, but also forward thinking. And you know, this new album is a great entry point. Like I was saying earlier in the show, um, for people to check out Easter Standard Time, even if you know you could be a longtime fan or like a first time fan to check out check out some of these new songs on, on the album and release and what's the best way to get to get the album is it um can they get it through your band camp or yeah our band camp is probably the best way to support us directly we also really appreciate people picking up the vinyl if, you know if that's your thing uh buying the vinyl through jump up or through us directly at a show that's probably the best way to support us and us making more music like this um you know, you can listen to it on streaming services, but again, they don't pay the artists. Um, we put that stuff on there because, I, I mean, the, we think that this music should be accessible. It should be available to everybody. Um, and uh, I think Bandcamp is probably doing the best by the artists as, as far as ways that you can get our music. Uh, Bandcamp and, and Jump Up, because again, Chuck is a part of the community and he's putting the money back into the machine. Uh, he's not, you know, living in a... Uh, living in a penthouse or something on the backs of all the ska musicians he's he's really doing it with you know with and he has a big anniversary it's a big anniversary this year too right for yeah, jump 30, 30 years of running any music record label uh, over the 30 years that we're talking about in particular i mean that's no small feat there's been so many changes in the industry in in a negative way uh from the business side of things that for him to be able to continue to support the scene and to to keep putting out good quality music is i mean that's that's again that's no small feat that's crazy big ups chuck chuck you rule man yeah thanks 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 unique and reed for joining us today yeah man thank you so much for having us my pleasure anytime Yeah. 
sind. 